0: Hey good peoples, welcome to the 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that lead us to a crossroads where we have to choose one path or another. Join me as we dive into our guest's turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made the 180.
1: Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around, the 180, yes it's a big change, the 180, your life won't be the same, the 180, you can do it, say yes to your beautiful future, the 180, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, Chef. Okay, Chef Ron Pratt. I saw you jamming to the theme song. Yes. Love it. That's my jam. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Well, I am thrilled and honored to have you, Chef, uh, here with us on the 180. It's so great to see you. How are you today? I'm doing Phenomenal. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's, it's a little gloomy here in New York City, but uh, but I'm feeling good and, and excited to chat with you. Good. New York is my home. Yeah, New York, New York. No place like it.
2: Yes. If you made it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Yes, I go to Jay-Z.
0: <laughs> okay, we, we, got, we got the chef dropping Jay-Z quotes already. So we know there's going to be some gems. So I'm going to tell you folks a little bit about Chef. Chef Ron DePrat is a celebrity chef, celebrated restaurateur, top chef contender, author, humanitarian, and executive chef, and food and beverage director at Amarillo Golf and Country Club in Amarillo, Texas. He was trained in culinary arts in Paris and at the Culinary Institute of America in New York. Ron has appeared on shows such as Top Chef, Iron Chef America, Bar Rescue, and Beat Bobby Flay. Ron also has written the book My Journey of Cooking and has been involved with multiple philanthropic causes such as No Kid Hungry. His culinary work especially celebrates his Haitian heritage, creating dishes with French and Caribbean influences. I'm going to say Caribbean. Is there like a strong difference between Caribbean and Caribbean? But Caribbean just feels right. Caribbean is very white. We say Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah, it all depends. It depends where part of the Caribbean you're from. Right. So it's not no right, no wrong.
2: It's all the same.
0: And I'm so thrilled to have Chef Ron Duprat here with us. Are you ready to play some games? Yes, let's do it. It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is... Is it yum or yuck? I want you to share with us your personal opinion of these infamously polarizing food combinations. And for bonus points, let us know if there's a culinary or scientific reason why some folks love and other folks hate these combinations. Okay. Eggs and ketchup. Yum or yuck for you? Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> yes. I, I'm with you on that one. I am a yuck for that one. But I, my father really enjoys it and I think it's strange. Do you think there's a reason why people enjoy that? Eggs and ketchup
2: doesn't belong together. As a chef, if a customer or member asked me for ketchup for eggs, I probably would throw them out.
0: You're like, okay, too bad for you. You're out of here. Yes. Okay, what do you think about chicken and waffles, yum or yuck? Yum. yum. Mm, I totally agree. I think that's a really great combination. Living in Harlem, I've been to Amy Ruth's. I mean, there's like there's a lot of Harlem spots that serve chicken and waffles, and it's it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. you know
2: when it comes to chicken and waffle, I can honestly claim as the king of chicken and waffle. Uh uh-huh. I make the
0: best chicken and waffle hands down. Hey, you heard it first. Yes, we gotta get Chef Ron Pratt's. Chicken and waffles. Is there already a place where we can get them? Nope. No? Nope. All right. Well, I got to I gotta get to where you are. I'm coming over. Yes. Uh, You know, we're going to finish this recording. I'll get the address and then hop in a cab or plane wherever. However, I got to get there. I'm getting there. Got it. Done. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Next up. Pineapple on pizza. Yum or yuck? Yuck. Yuck. Okay. 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 Yuck. I. I that's a yum for me.
1: Mm.
0: I hey. don't know why. Well, we need to call the food police. Pineapple <laughs> doesn't belong in pizza. It's something about the like zesty fruitiness with the tomato ness. I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I guess it's weird. Pineapple belong on juices.
2: Pineapple <laughs> belong on fruit plates. Pineapple belong anywhere else, but not in pizza. That's a yuck, 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 yuck. bottom yuck. Yuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very clear. We're, we're very clear on that. Okay. Bacon and peanut butter. That's a yum. Wow. That's a yum. from yes, the show. I've never even tried that. So I don't know what that. Well, is. you need to try that. It'd be orgasmally beautiful tasting. Wow. Well then maybe, maybe, I mean, with that type of recommendation, I've got to try it. Yes. Okay. So bacon and peanut butter. I didn't even know people did that. You need to do a beautiful applewood smoke smoked bacon.
2: Uh-huh. A cut. Cook it in the oven, mm-hmm. 325 degrees for about 14 to 60 minutes, nice and crispy. When the baking cap out, take a little sugar, uh-huh. a little sugar, a little powdered sugar, and throw your peanut butter. This
0: will be the best thing you ever taste in your whole life. Wow. We just got a strong recommendation along with a recipe for how to make this bacon and peanut butter. Okay, well, I I appreciate you. for This is more than I bargained for. (laughs) Okay, folks, you heard it from Chef Ron DePrat's mouth. Let's make this bacon and peanut butter dish. And I want you to take a picture of it and tag us at the 180 pod and tag me at I am Eric Lockley. I want to see if it's a yum or if it's a yuck for you. Next one, French fries in milkshakes. Yum or yuck? Yuck. That's a yuck. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with that. I, I, I think it's weird. French fries and milkshakes, the consistency, like the French fries going to get all mushy and, and it's cold. I don't know. That's a yuck of the bottom yuck. <laughs> a yuck of the bottom yucks. Here we go. Mango and chili powder. That's a yum.
1: Mmm.
2: As a kid growing up in the Caribbean, yeah. mangoes, universe, mangoes, anything. You can actually put mangoes on pizzas. You can actually put mangoes on milkshake. You can actually put mangoes in anything. Mangoes with chili
0: powder actually kick it up a notch. Mm-hmm. I think that's a yum for me. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely a yum. The first time I tried it was a few years ago. And I was skeptical just because I was like, well, mm, it's a little spicy with the sweet. I don't know. But it was perfect. It tastes so good. Yes. It's No going back. That's a yum for me. Mangoes and everything. Mangoes are so tasty. There's one more. I just realized there's one more, and I got to say this one. craft singles, so like the cheese things, on ramen. Oh. <laughs>
1: Hell no. <laughs> yuck. Yuck.
0: That's a strong yuck. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree. That's a strong yuck. Nobody should do that. <laughs> this face, he looks like, why would anyone? even think of that. Where did that come from? I agree. Well, thank you, Chef, for playing a little round of yum or yuck. That was a lot of fun, and I got to know some of the things that you yuck. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get to know you a little bit better. If you had to pick one age to be permanently, which age would you choose? I would say 19. 19. What's special either about that age or that time in your life?
2: You know, as you know, you're 19. You know you are confused. <laughs> you know you what you want to do. You know you want to be in the NBA. You know you want to play football. You know you want to swim. <laughs> you know you want to play baseball. There's so many things you want to do. Yeah. But for some of us, none of this dream is possible. So I think at this age, there's so many opportunity you can do, and there's so many dreams in your head, mm. whether you can achieve it or not. I think that's the age. I mean, you're still an idiot when you're 19. You know, you don't know nothing about life.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And But there's so much possibility. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so true. That is a really great age because it's like somewhere in the 20s, you start to get a little jaded or get confused but so like there's something special about 19 that's a great age 20s idea. life showed up uh-huh in the 20s you realize you were born <laughs> uh in the 20s you know you
2: have to do something otherwise 30s will be knocking in your door uh without
0: no time uh-huh uh-huh now what's one thing in your life that you're currently trying to make a habit um one thing in my life right now
2: i want to they make it happen. It's very long, but I'll put it in resume. As a kid growing up in Haiti, I uh, uh, came to the United States on a boat, see what's going on uh, with food, social justice, mm. uh, mindful eating for my beloved community, yes. uh, diversity in the hospitality industry. The objective to put food, social justice conversation at the forefront mm. where every chef doesn't matter who they are: African American, Native American, Latinos, Asian, and white chefs, I think it's time for all of us to have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Let me pick it back on that. If you look at the COVID-19, what happened with all the restaurants, as you see um, when they give the PPE, they give it to Shake Shack of the world, to Ruth's Craze. Mm. But what about the minority restaurant? What about the black chefs?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, the world, if you look at uh, Fine Dining, yeah. if you look at Food Network, if you look at Bravo, if you look at Fox, all these chefs on television, why you cannot see one or two token chefs? <laughs> Food Network, if you're not fat, you're not funny. You won't be in there. Mm. Bravo! They pick one or two token black chefs. I think this time is mindful eating for my beloved community for justice and time to embrace diversity and in hospitality industry. As in, as a black chef, we have to help harder than anyone else. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you worthless. So that's what I'm hoping make mindful eating for my beloved community forefront. I'm, I'm, I was lucky enough to nominate calling an ambassador by the State Department, actually carrying mm-hmm. a diplomatic passport. So I want to use that as a platform so we can talk about food. If you look at the Black community, you know, with obesity, I think it's time for us to have a food conversation mm-hmm. with food justice, where everyone have access to good food. If they give you a food stamp, the food stamp cannot go so far. So you make sure you buy a lot of bread, right? stuff who can make it last. Mm-hmm. But why can't Ron Duprat tell Congress, Congress, all you guys are idiots. <laughs> all you guys should be fired. You should use common sense, get chef involved,
1: mm. who know
2: the nutrition values with vegetables, fruits, and organic stuff so the food stamp can go a long way.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And we've discussed this in previous episodes with Tony Hillary, who has a Harlem-based organization called Harlem Grown. There's not access to specific urban communities, and especially communities of color, to fresh foods. And that becomes so problematic in terms of survival skills. And it makes people, like you said, purchase things just for it to last, which is often unhealthy, as opposed for its nutritional value in the moment. But yeah, we got to we gotta shift that.
2: Yes. Mindful eating for my beloved
0: community and food justice. Mm-hmm. You are invited to that conversation. Yes. I'm ready to be a part of it. I had a solo show that was called Asking for More that was about this young kid who went to a private school, got a scholarship to a private school, and he was shown pictures of radishes and avocado. And he didn't know what any of it was. He had no idea what these certain foods were because he was used to just seeing potatoes, and romaine lettuce, and it was like, oh wow, there's avocados, there are radishes, there are leeks. So he went home to his mother, and he tells his mother, "Hey, I don't want to eat this fast food tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather eat something fresher." And his mother's like, "Do you have money for that fresh food? Do you have a bus fare? Do you have a way? Well, then you need to be quiet." And so, just creating the conversation around ensuring that black communities and communities of color have an awareness and appreciation for the nutritional value of foods and are advocating for themselves to have access to fresher foods is so, so important. So I'm glad, I'm so glad that you're bringing it up because it matters to me a lot. And I mean, just think about how many people in our community with the pandemic are just more susceptible because of conditions, health conditions, diabetes, hypertension, all that stuff. Oh, Well, more about you, more about you. I mean, your mission is clear and admirable, and I so, so appreciate that. What's one thing that surprised you about being on Top Chef? Um, Never expect as a classically trained chef, you know, I don't know how
2: to make that stuff in 20 minutes. (laughs) You know, I'm one of the few guys. Yes. And I want that to be on record. I was never cast. I never auditioned. Oh, really? They call me. They say they want me to be on Top Chef. They want me to be in L.A.,
0: Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, wow. You you got that call and they were like, come on, come on down. Price is right. Yes, yes. <laughs> I never cast. I never fill out none of this stupid paperwork. And so you just got on there and they had, had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. Wait a minute. Okay. Who did you face on Iron Chef? Because we had one on the show. Who do you have? We had Jose Garces on our show. Jose Garces is my love, but I went against Bobby Flay. Oh, you were against Bobby Flay? Battle of oh the God. Corn, yes, Battle of the Corn. Wow, and I'm sure that was an intense battle. Yes, intense. You know, me, yeah. I'm
2: not a TV chef. Uh huh. I mean, TV give me a voice, but I'm not a TV chef. I'm more like, rich people chef, country club. It would uh-huh. <laughs> take a long time where they're making a demi glass, and you know, I do
0: that stuff for fun, but I never take it serious. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. It's like, you know, a competition show, it can be fun, but it's like the joy of really being able to take your time and indulge and make the meal exactly how you want it. That's that's got to be joyous, more joyous than just rushing and seeing what you can get. Yes, yes, yes,
2: yes.
0: Now, Haiti is such a special place with such historical significance. It's the second republic in the Americas, the first country to abolish slavery, and the only state in history established by a successful slave re- revolt. Share with us a moment that you have been especially proud to be from Haiti. <sighs> I mean, I think it's an understatement to find
2: one moment. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know, after the earthquake, mm. I came up with some of my chef friends, Michael Voltaggio, Brian Voltaggio, Mike Isabella. Hector Santiago, Tino Blia, Jennifer Kerr, we team up to raise money for Haiti. Mm. For Valentine's we I did something called Hearts for Haiti. And some of my celebrity chef restaurant donate a profit of the dessert to Haiti, to a cause. That's great. I was able to use that money with PRDF, Pan American Development Foundation, to go to Haiti to feed the people. I think that was an opportunity for a lifetime, something I would cherish for the rest of my life. As a kid growing up, never thought I had a voice. Mm. I think, honestly, I can't say Top Chef give me a voice. And I think, I mean, I don't like Top Chef, but them give me a voice. Uh-huh. I think this is so, so amazing. I think this is something I would cherish for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And, and this Top Chef may have provided a platform for lots of people, millions of people to access you. And then it's like you making that decision that my mission statement is to uplift my community, inform my community, enlighten my community and the different ways that you do it is so impactful and just so admirable to be able to experience and watch. As like you said, you're helping and supporting the Haitian community and also folks here in America. And being able to do that is something that that platform supported or established. Yes, sir. I'm very grateful. You were appointed culinary ambassador by Hillary Rodden Clinton. Yes, sir! Yes, which is incredible. Catered events for Beyonce, Usher, Michael Martelli, former president of Haiti, what is one of your biggest oopsie moments cooking for a celebrity that you can laugh at now, <laughs> but maybe wasn't funny in the moment?
2: Well, my life as a chef, uh-huh. uh, as the executive chef for the Montauk Club, Captain Club, in United States, Mexico and the Caribbean, executive chef at the Bridgewater Country Club, executive chef at the Godfather Country Club, executive chef at the Amarillo Country Club. So right. <laughs> let's take celebrity who was poor, who became celebrity, and have access to money
1: mm-hmm.
2: and let's take a group of people who have been millionaires all their life yes you know it is so different it's a it's a culture shock yeah you will see whether it's an nfl player whether there's an nba player or whether it's a hip-hop artist uh-huh. the experience is so different Let me explain. Uh I don't think they have respect to food Mm. as the people I have catered with, such as the Montaukai Club, the Bridgewater Country Club, Amarillo Country Club, and Gulf Harbor Country Club. Those people understand food. I mean, granted, they have enough money. They're the one who take the yeah. young artists, that football player. They're the one who give them the money, who give them the million, because they're the one who are the team owners, <laughs> uh, who own the, all the jets, and the list goes on. So it's a different experience. Yeah. Cooking for celebrities is good for PR, mm. but cooking for real people who understand and who appreciate food, this is an experience. Of his own. Yeah. Every chef should have that opportunity to do both. Mm. Cook for celebrity and cook for some of the people I have cooked with, uh, who enjoy food, who understand food, who doesn't afraid to whatever it costs, they will pay. Mm. Well, if you take an NBA player or NFL player, you say, Well, guess what? I would like to buy some Kobe beef, but the price is dollars a pound. I will fly some traffic from France, but the price is fifteen hundred dollars an ounce. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whether they have a lot of money because they don't understand it, they'll probably think you try to um rob them or something. Cooking for those people who understand, who travel the world, who have access to some of the best food in the world. I think that's an experience every chef should should try, should do both mm.
0: for celebrity, cook for people with. A lot of money, yeah, wow, that's interesting I mean that's that's some great uh really interesting insight, and within all of that, have you ever just had a moment where either somebody was like, This isn't what I asked for, but it was what they asked for, or you know any any moments of either accidental tension or trying to navigate a oops moment well let's go back to Osha's wedding, okay.
2: And you have a group of very influential people from Atlanta, and I was the executive chef at the Montauk Club. Uh-huh. I'm this New York chef, uh-huh. big ego. <laughs> this is what I said. You take it or you leave it. You know, there's people that's not what they get used to, you know. Mm. Me doing sous vide, me doing liquid nitrogens and stuff like that. I think to them it was like an eye-opener. But those people, they have a lot of money, they have access, they're influential. <laughs> so it's you know what I'm saying? If you look at uh, beat the BT owner Bob Johnson. uh-huh some of the few people who was there but who thought I was crazy trying to do liquid nitrogen and so they
0: with the liquid nitrogen i'm I'm trying to like because i'm I'm not a chef so what like it, what did you do with the liquid nitrogen it's 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 cooking with gas oh okay yes yes uh, that's what it is
2: and you know the proper temperature the science and that's all it is huh. it's food and
0: science uh, food and meat science well i I need a degree in both so tell us about your journey on a 27-day boat trip from Haiti to Florida. I know that that was integral in terms of you becoming who you are. So yeah, tell us a bit more about that. What, what age were you when you started the journey?
2: I was 16 years old when I started the journey. Actually, if you know much about history, when Columbus discovered Haiti, December 5th, 1492. Hmm. And I start at that same port. At the time, the U.S. usually pick up the people right away. The objective, not to make the journey 27 days, oh, right. but to be able to pick up by the Coast Guard. For us, I don't know if it was luck, never seen the Coast Guard wow. for the whole 27 days. So there were no food. We stopped at Cuba. They give us food. They said, Miami, this way. This is the lights. Make it to the Miami. The lights of Miami supposed to be maybe an hour. End up to be probably 10 mm. or 11 days.
0: Why were you leaving? Was there a specific reason why you were leaving Haiti? As you know, 1986, Baby Doc left Haiti. From 1986 to
2: 1989, Haiti went to a very, 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 very bad period. Mm. You know, from all this, all the manifestation, it was a really bad time. I was a young kid in school. There was no future and I think it's best for me to take a chance. Yeah. I'm going to make it. I'm going to die. Either way, I think I'm going to die. If I stay in Haiti, I'm going to die. Mm. If I take the chance, I'm going to die. So I would die trying.
0: Yeah. And you were leaving with your whole whole family, right? Or at least your parents? No, I live alone. My, my family didn't know where I was. Oh, so you left alone. Oh my gosh. I, I left alone. Yes, sir. That's I didn't realize that. So by yourself, you were on this boat for 27 27 days to get to America ultimately. And did you know what you were gonna do once you got here? Did you have like a contact or no, I didn't have the contact,
2: the objective because I heard the word America. Yeah. I thought there was a tree, I was gonna get in the tree and just grab money. (laughs) I just under like. (laughs) I'm just gonna get the street, get money, get in the street, get money. That was the whole thing in my head. Go to the beach,
0: get money. I mean, go anywhere, just get money. I took money, right? Took well, you quoted Jay Z earlier. I'm gonna quote uh, Biggie: "More money, more problems." So <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> you you yes. got here. Maybe you got some money, but yeah, I'm sure there's some problems when it comes. Yes, come yes, from. yes, yes. So. The whole thing, the whole time I thought money
2: was coming out of the tree. Uh-huh. See, the University <laughs> of America, the land of opportunity.
0: Yeah. If we were you good, there would be money. Wow. Wow. From that moment of getting off of the ship and arriving here in America to getting to be on Top Chef. Tell us about that moment. Was that a 180 for you? Or what was what was that transition like? Well, that would be
2: 180. As you know, from that time to when I get in Top Chef, there's a period, you know, I work with some of the greatest chefs God ever created, but who's not on TV. Uh, chef Randall Cox, mm. uh, um, my mentor, Chef Adam Savage, uh, some of the great chefs would know who see I have potential. The objective when I was in high school I play football, basketball, I cream, I do it all, I box, I do it all. I thought that was going to be in the NFL, the objective to play for Miami Dolphins. Wow. So it was my goal, but when I got hurt, that dream, mm. um, that dream that happened, and I started cooking, and I fell in love with it, and uh, I never looked back. The objective, I say, if I ever give an opportunity, I will never look back.
0: Mm. And then, and then you got that call yes. <laughs> that said tomorrow. Yes. Yes. So you know, <laughs> get on Top Chef and do my thing. Those guys.
2: So, you know, the season and I wasn't Top Chef. I want that to be on record was the best of the best. Hey. We all became family. Uh, we actually won an Emmy. We be the amazing race. Wow. I think that's something. And as you know, most of the chefs. If you look at Michael Voltaggio, Brian Voltaggio, Jennifer Kell, mm-hmm. Mike Isabella, Kevin Giuseppe, all the chefs, there all was James Beard-nominated chef, James dwayne chef chefs. Pretty much, it was something I can say, this is probably was the greatest moment of my culinary career, to be able to be in the same room with those guys, you know what I'm saying? And mm. let's find us the world's best 16 chefs.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's an opportunity I would cherish for the rest of my life. During that time between getting here in America and then Top Chef, who were you often cooking for? Yeah, I, I always worked. I always work. As I told you,
2: yeah. I work at the Montauk Club. I work for Benchmark International and Ritz Carlton, some of the most prestigious places in the world. And, you know, I always have, uh, I'm one of the few cats who have an opportunity never look back. Mm. I guess... Uh, most time I get in trouble. People think, "Well, I'm a black chef." I don't think I'm a black chef. I think I'm a chef first, and I'm black second. Mm-hmm. Because people doesn't look at me as a black chef; they look at me as a chef. Yeah, I think I have this much respect of any chef on this planet. But uh, I never, I know, I know I'm black. Uh, so I didn't. That's not what I said. What I'm saying, I think I'm a chef first and I'm black second yeah. because the people I cook for they are black, mm-hmm. you know, so that's how I look at it. And I have blessed. I have enjoyed this journey and the objective is to cherish, to become ambassador for the State Department, to travel to Italy with John Kerry. Uh, to training at the State Department about the whole PR thing, what to say. I think this is honor. This is something I cherish for the
0: rest of my life. Mm. And like you said, the taste buds do not have a race and <laughs> do not have an ethnicity. No, sir. You know? No, sir. You're cooking for all people. You're not cooking just for Black people. So no. you are a chef. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yes. When I hear country club, I think of rich white people. So the fact that you have worked there, how did you get the job? What was that process like?
2: It's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationship. There's so many chefs who are probably more talented than me, but because this is what I know, this is what I have been doing. Because as a chef, it's not about putting a beautiful dish on a plate. It's more than that. You know, it's like you are the owner. You are the business. You understand uh, the financial, the P&L and all this stuff, understand people, to be able to do a great performance for the board or for the owner, Mm -hmm. whatever I think. I think that's what makes me different than everyone else. You can be the greatest Mm -hmm. chef on earth, but if you keep open restaurant, they're closing, you are suck, Uh because you cannot manage money. You have to be able to manage the financial, the people uh, uh, experience. It's all about an experience people come to your restaurant for an experience. Mm -hmm. They can get that anywhere else. But the experience, that's not something they can get anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Like, for example, with your first time going from school to then working at a country club, what was, like, who did you meet? What was that first experience? Like, were you really nervous when you were, did you have have to interview for the job? What was it? Or did they call you and say, show up here tomorrow? No, nah,
2: <laughs> nah. you have to go to the process. You have to interview a whole bunch of people. You have to cook for them and they have to taste it. And you have to take the steps. Mm. You have to be able to write a menu. You have to be able to cross out a menu. Uh, you have to be able to write a, a financial plan, a business plan. Wow. It's more than just show up and cook. This is what most people don't understand. Yeah. Uh, you have to stay true to yourself and you have to
0: respect the rules and you have to go back to the basic. Wow. And what was your support system like in in the early days of like with your first job at a country club? What were, who was around for you? How were you able to? Um,
2: it, it was always uh, Chef Randall Cox, mm-hmm. um, Chef Adam Savage, chef who taught to look at me as a chef. They get upset with me every time <laughs> I said I'm a black chef. They want to punch me in the face because <laughs> they say you are a chef. Huh? Mm. You are as good as any chefs. Never look at yourself as a black chef. But how I look at it, it just they coach me, they mentored me, being a business person mm. more than a chef. Yeah. They played with always. There will always be filet mignon. There will always be foie gras. There will always be that stuff. But managing the paywall. Yeah. Managing the label. Managing all that. That's what's important. Uh, mentored young chefs to become better than you. Mm. That's so you know, some of the chefs for me have become world best chefs. And it's where well, there's Kevin Ralph. Jaime, Joe Zaino, mm. and the list goes on. Became World best chef. Yeah. One of the chefs worked for me, Faisal, is now executive chef at Noma, number one restaurant in the world. Wow. So number one restaurant of the world. That's amazing. So that's somebody wow. the chef worked for me. My restaurant was voted the most visited restaurant on Google by Foodies. Latitude by Randall Pratt. Yes. Wait. Which, which restaurant? I want to make sure the folks hear. Latitude. Latitude. Latitude
1: uh-huh.
2: by Chef Randall Pratt. The most visited restaurant in Google by foodies. What that mean?
1: Uh-huh.
2: I cook different than anyone else. Mm. I cook. I take Caribbean. I take African and blend them together. So I do Afro Caribbean. Mm. So I do stuff people will never expect to see. You know what I'm saying? And after that, they take it. They Make it whatever you want. Another thing I want to say, when I was my restaurant, Oprah comes to my restaurant. You can look it up. It's actually in there. Her first, still on the cover of her page of a magazine. Wait, who? Oprah. Oprah? Yes. Butternut squash and sweet potato by Chef Rondo Pratt was voted her favorite soup. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, look at
0: yesterday. It's still in her magazine. Wow. That's great. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With all of this, in terms of the cuisine, what is the Afro-Cuban combo that we wouldn't expect that is similar to that uh, the yum or yuck, but a, a good yum that would be unexpected? If I take a whole snapper, mm. debone the snapper, take it off the bone,
2: pop get rid of the bone, and a Caribbean would probably eat the bone, and Africa would probably eat the bone. But guess what? Within America, I'm going to combine both of them together. I'm going to take the snapper off the bone. I'm going to season it a little madam salt, a little pepper. I'm going to saute it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful island risotto with mushroom and, and uh, pumpkin and some green peas. Oh. As you know, in Caribbean, we love pigeon peas. Uh-huh. So I take that. So take the concept and put it in my own version. And when you put that in for the white person, they
0: think it's heaven in the plate, <laughs> because this is not something that can get nowhere. else. It sounds so good to me. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm. I'm. <laughs> Once again, I think I just gotta drive or fly, however I gotta get to you. But that that sounds so good. Okay. Were Were there times that you almost gave up? Never. 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 Never give up.
2: <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> Because there's so much to lose. Mm. And uh, if I give up, not only I let my chef down who mentored me, I let myself down. And uh, if you have an opportunity, you should never look back. Yeah. And when I was a young chef working in New York City, uh, you probably was too young to remember Tavern on the Green, where I worked with Chef Patrick Clark.
0: I've heard of Tavern on the Green.
2: <laughs> it was so expensive Yeah. to live in New York City. Me and my wife at the time, I couldn't. I didn't have enough to buy food, so most of dinner using Chinese takeout. Wow. (laughs) So, (laughs) 'cause didn't make enough money to pay the rent, right? To support the family, you know, my mom had to send me some money. Mm. So it just like that's part of the uh, sacrifices I made to get to where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I wonder this about folks that love cooking and that are chefs. Are there any moments right now in life? That you eat something and you're like, why am I <laughs> eating this? Because it either feels unhealthy or it's just not well made. Do you have a lot of moments like that or a few moments like that? You know what? Sometimes I get paid to, uh, to eat.
2: I travel to eat. Uh-huh. So food to me, it's, it's my entertainment. Food to me, it's my worst voice. Uh, food, to me, is that big mention. Mm. I take food different than anyone else. I travel the whole world just to eat. So this year, I didn't travel. And I saved some money. Uh-huh. But every year, I pick a destination, I travel to eat. Couldn't do that this year. I'm kind of uh, heartbroken, but eating, it's my hobby. Uh, whether I'm golfing, I'm eating. To me, that's a hobby. I don't criticize food. I understand the position mm. because not every chef have access to so many great ingredients I have access to. But I think everyone do a good job to work together to make the experience.
0: Mm. You mentioned your mother um, and how she sent you money. Are there ways in which you've been able to spoil her since you've reached a certain level of success?
2: Uh, is there other
0: way around because there's so much
2: When we were talking, you said, as Biggie said,
0: more money, more problems. (laughs) Some more problems. problems. Yes. (laughs) That sounds like maybe what that is. (laughs) I actually want to do a
2: Biggie and Tupac dinner. So maybe you can host that. We do a Biggie and Tupac throwdown dinner. Uh East Coast. West Coast. Chef from the East Coast, chef from the West Coast.
0: We cook. Yeah. And we do all rice. All right. All all rice. I mean, there's other things with the rice, right? Yeah. Other things with the rice, but all the (laughs) things rice. Biggie and two pack dinner. Okay. I'm hosting it. And we got
2: two judges. Will Smith from the West Coast. Mm. And we got Jay-Z
0: from the East Coast. To be the judges, this is pretty epic. Um, we're manifesting right now <laughs> that I'm gonna host <laughs> a Biggie versus Tupac <laughs> dinner for with a east coast chef, a west coast chef. There's rice involved. Ron DePratt is going to, a uh, chef Ron DePratt is going to cook some things, if not all the things. Will Smith is going to be in attendance, and Jay Z. If we can get those, folks, we can probably get Oprah. We might be able to get an Obama. I think this is going to be huge. Biggie versus Tupac, East Coast, West Coast, Rice Throwdown Dinner. Rice Throwdown Dinner. Okay. We're going to make it happen.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) The world is (laughs) (laughs) exciting. Well, Smith, if you're listening, I mean, you and a few other names, Jay-Z, anybody that you named has the power to make this happen. So we're manifesting. It's going to happen. Good. After the pandemic, when everybody gets the vaccine. Yes. Yes. After the pandemic. With all that you've done, what are some things that you're looking forward to as next? You discussed increasing access to healthy food options, but are there other things that you're excited about doing in the future? It's my food eating
2: for my beloved community is on the forefront. Mm. The objective is to go to Congress to tell them by themselves I give him two years because I'm asking chefs to make the 2022 elections Mm. about food, about food justice. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I mean, they have been talking about this for so long, but it is time for chefs to use their voices to make sure food justice is at the forefront. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about. I'm hoping to get to Congress. I'm hoping to get a bill passed. If you look at what's happening with the restaurant, personally, as Rondo Pratt as a chef, I think the restaurant business is too small to fail. Mm. I think the community, I think all chefs every day should send an email or phone call to Congress. Let's make sure those restaurants don't fail. Yeah. Because let's talk about it. If those restaurants fail, let's think how many immigrants going to be out of work. Yes. Not only immigrant, like American, because the restaurant business, Yeah, I think that should give priority. Certain people, certain party, that give big business more priority. I think chefs should have peaceful protests about food, about how we're going to make sure those restaurants survive.
0: It's so essential right now. And I know I personally... Am like I've got to support my local businesses because right now, especially in New York, I'm pretty much existing in like a 20 block radius, and I want to see those businesses that are weathering the storm right now continue to to survive and ideally thrive after the pandemic. But it's like I when I'm getting takeout, I'm getting it from the local spots. And I I encourage all listeners to make sure you're supporting your local businesses, your local restaurants, because they need our support right now.
2: Yes. I mean, it's just like another thing I want to talk about. I think uh, everyone doing a good job with the pandemic, open and closing. This is so stupid. Open and closing. Why? Mm. We chefs, we have been protecting people's lives forever. Since day one, when we pick up the first knife, when we cut the first onion. Mm -hmm. None of those people talked to us and said, what do we think? Because I honestly think, as a chef, I'm not speaking for every chef. I'm speaking for myself and some of the chefs I know. Mm -hmm. We can work through the pandemic and taking care of our members, I guess. I honestly think we can do it. We can do better job than the doctors and the politicians if they give us a seat at the table. If you look at what we do, whether the pandemic or not, our number one goal and objective is to make sure to protect the well-being of our guests. We have been doing that since day one. Mm. Why they don't reach out to us, yeah, asking us for advice instead of keep closing
0: down the business? Uh, It's hard. It's frustrating because yeah, I've I've on the news and talking to some of the owners of spots. In my neighborhood, they've been like, oh, this opening and closing is really, it's really hurting us. That idea that chefs, that people who are feeding people actually know really well how to take care of people is is really an interesting and great point. We like to close out with a quote, and I think it speaks to some of your journey. Even when you have doubts, take that step, take chances. Mistakes are never a failure. They can be turned into wisdom. And that is a quote from Kat Cora, who was an Iron Chef. Yes, I love Kat Cora. Yeah. She traveled to Haiti with me. Really? Yes, sir. That's great. What, what was that experience like? Was that her first time going to Haiti? She actually
2: been to Haiti a few times, Yeah, cooking for the missions. And it just, you know, oh. I traveled to Haiti with Anthony Baudin. Oh, wow. Uh, when he almost get his ass kicked because he tell the whole world he had enough food. And he have food for 20 people. And they want to kick his ass.
0: Uh, I <laughs> to Haiti, Chef Jose Andreas. I've been blessed. I love the idea of you also introducing, you know, individuals to Haiti, but also larger communities to Haiti and cuisine from Haiti. It's really awesome. Good, good, good. Good stuff. Yeah. I cannot wait to cook with you. I know. Biggie and
2: Tupac dinner. Got to happen 2021. You pick up the date. We make it happen. Biggie and Tupac dinner. Even nobody show up. Just you and I. We're still going to do Biggie and Tupac dinner and a couple chefs from the West Coast, very good. Some of the badass African American chef from the West Coast. Yes, and then uh, I want to do this. This has been a dream. I want this to be like a series. A series, okay. I'm down for this. Maybe we have Didi hosted. uh Maybe we did this. This is gonna be our versus East Coast, West Coast. Yes, rice throwdown. Right, because the versus is a good. What Biggie will eat and what Tupac will eat. The West Coast chef will make what? Tupac will eat. Uh-huh. The East Coast chef will make what? Biggie
0: will eat. This is great. And it's good. there's some incentive. Like we can make a prize for one of our listeners, like a few of our listeners to come and and be a part of the dinner. I love this idea. And it, it, is, it is feasible. You know, once we're on the other side of the pandemic, we can make this happen. Yes, yes. It'd be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. I like, I like rice with a lot of different things. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Rice is everything. Right. It's so I mean, there's so many different ways to make it and and things that you can put with it. It's just rice is great. I want to make sure that my listeners are following you and staying up to date with you. So folks, you can follow Chef Ron DuPrat on Instagram at Top R-O-N. Make sure to check him out, stay updated with him. And is there a website that you want to plug right now? Chef
2: and I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, and I'm I'm opening up a new restaurant St. Martin in March. Oh, awesome. Sought by Rondo Pratt coming up. Hey, please come check it out. Yes. Use that money. Come to vacation. Come into life. We all need some vacation sometime.
0: Absolutely. We especially these days. I definitely need a need a vacation soon. I'm try to get it. But if I come to Saint Martin. I'll uh, visit Salt. Yes,
2: you'll be my guest.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Enjoy chatting with you. And thank you for sharing your 180 and sharing some recipes. Uh, I, I got a lot of great recommendations. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. And digital portraits by Byron McCrae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The 180 Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com, the 180 pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed.
1: Know that you'll have a blessing
0: If you just keep, keep on, pressing.
1: on pressing Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around The 180 Yes, it's a big change The 180 Your life will be the same The 180 you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180. Yeah.